Amen. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Luke chapter 1, or scroll on your phones. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39, looking at Mary and her beautiful song uh, this morning. Before we get started, it has truly been humbling to hear uh, God's people uh, gather and to sing songs this morning, but even God's people, the the churches throughout Kentucky and throughout the state reach out even to me the last couple of days and just just sitting over here a minute ago and churches in Louisville praying for Bowling Green and for Christ's Fellowship Church this morning and uh, churches from Washington, D.C. and Memphis and Raleigh and Indiana reaching out to say they're praying for Bowling Green and praying for God's people that we might be a light of Christ uh, during these days. So we read these uh, words from Luke chapter 1. It says this, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what is spoken to her from the Lord. And this was the song that rose up in Mary's heart in that moment. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's pray together. Father, we we come to you because, Lord, we have nowhere else to turn. Lord, where else can we go for eternal life? Lord, where else can we go to find hope and joy and peace in a time like this than to turning to you, our maker? Not only our maker, but Lord, to you, our sustainer, to you who sent your one and only son who would live for us and die for us and to rise again. Lord, we, we come to you because we're, we're desperate and we're needy. Lord, even as the song says, when, when darkness seems to hide your face, we rest on your unchanging grace. And so, Lord, this morning as we hear from your word, as we hear from you, Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit, Lord, that you would have me to speak only that which is helpful, only that which is true. 
Lord, what our hearts need, Lord, would you give us this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's hard to imagine experiencing joy like this right now. I mean, this joy that we see overflowing, overwhelming joy that Mary and Elizabeth have felt. I don't know if we've ever seen and even experienced joy like this, this joy of, of these two ladies. A joy that's so great that it says the Holy Spirit moved and the baby in Elizabeth's belly, which we know is John the Baptist, actually leaped for joy in her womb. It's hard to fathom even feeling this way is especially when your city's been devastated by a tornado, when homes have been wiped away to nothing, when children are still missing, when people are hurting. I mean, even here this morning, we have people who are hurting with loss of life in their family, people in our, our room this morning whose family is even from Mayfield who are hurting. So it's hard to, it's hard to fathom feeling this kind of joy on a, in a moment like this. Maybe it's hard for you to fathom joy because of some other reason. Maybe you face loss in your family or loss of a loved one, loss of a ministry recently, loss of a, a job. Maybe a, a test has come back and shown something that's doesn't look good, a relationship that's been really, really hard, that seems irreconcilable. And joy right now feels like it's a, a billion miles away from your heart today. But I want you to know that there was a time when Mary and Elizabeth couldn't have fathomed this kind of joy either. I mean, there were days in their life when they couldn't even imagine that joy would ever enter to their home again. I mean, we look at Elizabeth's life, and because Elizabeth was advanced in years, and because she was still childless at this time, for most of her life, still being childless meant still being joyless. Or maybe it was because Mary and Elizabeth were a part of the people of Israel, part of the the people of God, God's chosen people. And for 400 plus years, they have been sitting in silence. 400 plus years sitting in silence, thinking that God must have forgotten me. They were longing for God to send a Messiah. Well, the good news for us this morning is for us whose hearts that can only imagine sadness and only imagine brokenness and only imagine feeling restless and lonely, anything but joy this morning, the good news is that we can take the same path to joy that Mary took today. And we have to believe that. We can take the same path that Mary took. We can experience the same joy that Mary felt by walking this road towards joy through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through all that God in his love and in his grace and mercy has given to us in Jesus today. So that's my prayer today. Lord, help every one of us experience 
this renewal of joy, this reality of peace by remembering this song of Mary, by remembering the gospel today. Because let's, let's just listen to what Paul, what Mary sings about, what Mary says in this song. The first thing he, she says is that she is magnifying the Lord. Her spirit is rejoicing because the Lord looks upon the lowly. That's good news today. Mary begins her song like this. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. The, the reason all this rejoicing began is because the Lord saw Mary in her humility. He saw her in her lowest moment. The, the Lord doesn't miss her in her lowliness. The, the Lord notices her in her time of need. He sees her. Notice that Mary doesn't see herself as this high and exalted person. She, does, she sees herself as lowly and as needy. Mary's heart, she sees herself as a sinner in desperate need of grace, as a sufferer in desperate need of compassion from the Lord. That's how she sees herself. See, the, the Catholic Church might see the Virgin Mary as holy and exalted, as someone we maybe even should pray to. If you go down I-65, it talks about praying to Mary on billboards. But the person who has the biggest issue with this is Mary herself. She sees herself as a, a humble and needy servant. She doesn't want you to to pray to her because she is as desperate as you are. She's as desperate for grace as every one of us is. This is how you have to see yourself today if the Lord is going to see you. If the Lord is going to look your way because the Lord looks upon the lowly. He sees the humble. He sees those who are needy, those who are broken, those who are beggars. I mean, listen to Isaiah 56, verse 15. It says this, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Let, let's stop and just think about who God is right there. Just think about that description. The Lord is high and lifted up. The place he lives, the place he resides, is all of eternity is where he exists, is where he reigns. His name is holy. There is no one like him. And then it says this. There are only two places that this holy and eternal God choose to dwell. The Lord says this. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly. To revive the heart of the contrite. Do, do you hear that? So if the Lord is going to leave his high and lifted up habitation. If he's going to leave his holy habitation in heaven. If he's going to leave his eternal throne room in glory. The only other place that he can go is to the humble. 
That's the only other place he can go is to the humble. And so that's why the Lord chooses to make a temple, a tabernacle in the womb of Mary. That's why the womb of a lowly servant girl becomes a holy of holies for the glory of God. That should leave us in awe that that the holy God of heaven would see fit not only to become flesh and to dwell among us, but to become a baby and enter the womb of a lowly servant named Mary. To redeem us who are desperate and needy and broken like her. The same is true for us. The the Lord chooses to delight with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. The, The Lord only looks upon those who are lowly and broken and needy. So, so the good news is if you feel lowly today, if you feel desperate, if you feel needy this morning, the Bible says that you're in a really good place this morning. Like the Lord has you in a really good place to, to know that you're desperate for him. Maybe somebody in, in Bowling Green today, maybe someone in here this morning is thinking, I, I bet the Lord doesn't even see me. The Bible says that it's his nature to see you, that he loves to look upon the lowly, the desperate, the the needy. As the old song says, all the fitness that God requires, the only thing he requires is that you feel your need of him. That's good news. You don't have to have good works to earn God's love. You don't have to do good things in order to go to heaven. The Bible says all that you need is to be lowly and needy and know that you need Jesus. So there's a a caution here this morning. is that if if you feel high and lifted up, if you feel, if if you magnify yourself in your eyes, in your heart, if you long to be magnified even in the eyes of others, that they might see you. But the Lord looks on the lowly. Those who feel self-sufficient, those who feel enough, those are the ones the Lord doesn't see. This is where I think there's so much success in in the recovery world. There's success only where there's desperation. That's true of all of us. There's success only where there's desperation. This saying in the recovery world of, I need the very same thing after 40 years of sobriety that you need today after several weeks of binge drinking. Every believer in here, I should be able to say from the bottom of my heart, I need the very same grace today after 24 years as a Christian as a lost person who just found grace. I'm just as desperate today as I've ever been in any moment of my life. And listen, you are more desperate than you even realize in this moment. Think about how desperate you are, how how desperate you think you are right now, and you're way more desperate than you realize. 
way more desperate. Mary rejoices because the Lord looks upon the lowly. Even Elizabeth feels this way. Listen to what Elizabeth says in verse 43. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So let me ask you, do you rejoice this morning that the Lord looks at you? Do you rejoice that the Lord would look at at you, a lowly sinner, a hurting sufferer, that he would look your way? Are you in awe that he notices you, a humble servant, someone, a beggar in need of grace? Pray this morning that, that in our lowest moments, in our lowliest maybe the lowliest lowliest week of our lives, that we would be encouraged that the Lord looks upon you. He sees you. He notices you. Second of all, we see that not only does the Lord look upon the lowly, the Lord moves to show mercy. This, This is where joy keeps multiplying because the Lord doesn't just see you. The Bible says that the Lord moves towards you in mercy, just like he did with Mary. It's the second reason that Mary's magnifying the Lord. Her, her soul is flooded with rejoicing. Look at verse 49 through 50. She says this, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. There, there's an amazement, there's an awe in Mary's song because of how she sees God who is mighty and powerful and holy and how she sees herself. Think about where this overwhelming feeling comes from. She is overwhelmed because the mighty God of heaven would do great great things, she says, for me, for her. She's moved by mercy because the powerful God would choose her to carry her one and only son. She's flooded with joy because a God who is holy, holy, holy would not miss her, but move towards her in her lowliness. Do you have that same awe as Mary this morning? Can you say with her that, that he who is mighty has done great things for me. I mean, that's the tone I hear in Mary's voice, that the the mighty, the powerful, the holy one, he would somehow do great things for little old me. Maybe the amount of joy we experience today correlates with the distance we see between God and us. Like if we see the distance between God and us as as small, maybe that makes sense that our joy is small. If his movement towards us doesn't really matter, if we don't see him as holy, as holy, 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 high and lifted up and see ourselves as lowly, then maybe his movement towards us is not a big deal. But if we see the distance between a holy God and us as sinful people, as massive, then his mercy must move us. 
It will move us. That holy, holy, holy God would send His one and only Son down into our mess, down into our sin, into our devastation, and move towards us. Listen, you're a billion times closer to the smallest ant than you are to the holy, holy, holy God of heaven. And the fact that the mighty, powerful, holy God of heaven would move towards you, should move you. It shouldn't cause you to yawn. It should move you by His mercy and grace. I mean, we should be no less moved to be called sons and daughters of God as Mary is moved to be called the mother of the Messiah. Think about what I just said. You should be no less moved to be called a son and daughter of God than Mary to be called the mother of the Messiah, the mother of Jesus. That's why the earliest hymn writers would try to capture this reality, the reality of this distance with songs like this. John Newton says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Or Isaac Watts, he says, Alas, and did my Savior bleed for such a worm as I. Calling you a, a wretch and a worm. But the goal of the hymn writer is not to tear down your self-esteem. It's to bring you joy. It's for your joy. It's to remind you of your great and desperate need as a sinner for a Savior to come from heaven for you. And, and it's to remind you and move you of just how far Jesus would go to save you from your sins and to rescue you to himself. There's a, a shock, a shock and an awe that a holy God should move towards us to show us mercy. And it's throughout this whole letter of the gospel of Luke that Jesus would leave the glory of heaven to become a baby to redeem us. A baby lying in a, a horse trough that the Lord Jesus would come and he would eat with, with sinners, with prostitutes, with tax collectors, that he would eat and dine with them and love them. That a Samaritan would, would go out of his way to bind up and care for the wounded and the sick. That, that a father would not just see his prodigal son who was wayward, not just seem from a far way off, but he would run to him and move to show mercy. Maybe one of the greatest stories in the book of Luke is the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. A story of a really religious man who, who thought he had it all together and this other tax collector who would be seen as a, a traitor by his Jewish people, hated by everyone around him. And, and Jesus says the Pharisee came to the temple that day and he stood by himself. And it even says in in, in the, the Word of God that he prayed to himself. Thank God that I'm not like all these other sinners. Thankful I'm not like these other men. I fast and, and I give and I, I pray. I do all these great things. This religious man wouldn't be surprised by grace. He wouldn't be moved by mercy. Instead, he would expect it. 
the distance in his heart between a holy God and himself is really, really small if there's any distance at all. And yet there's the tax collector that Jesus says he stood far off from everybody. Far off feeling his guilt and shame. It says he can't even look up to heaven because of the guilt and shame. And he, he's beating on his breast and all he can say is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. No good works, nothing to earn God's love, nothing to earn his acceptance, his approval. Just God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The actual Greek means God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's how he saw himself. Zero expectation of grace. Nothing in him that believes that God would move towards him in mercy. And yet Jesus says, this is the one that went away justified. This is the one who the Lord moves towards in mercy. This morning, some of us don't have a hard time believing that God sees us. Maybe we have a hard time believing that God would move towards us. Maybe we assume he's too busy, that he doesn't care, that he doesn't want to move towards us. But, but Mary promises us. Mary sings over us in this song. She says, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. His mercy is upon those who fear Him from generation to generation, to those who know that they need Him, those who are desperate, those who are beggars, those who will cry out from their heart, Lord, just be merciful to me, a sinner. I have nothing to earn your love. I can't do anything to save myself. I'm desperate for Jesus Christ who died for me and rose again. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I promise the Lord is more ready to move towards you than you're ready to even cry out for mercy. God sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you, to rise again from the grave three days later. He moved to show you mercy. And I promise, I thought about this this week. I promise you this, the, the Lord is quicker to be filled with mercy when you, when you cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. Quicker than when, Jesus, than when Elizabeth was filled with joy when she heard Mary's voice that day. Quicker than even the joy of Elizabeth is the mercy of God towards those who will cry out for mercy. Finally, the Lord re remembers, remembers for rejoicing. Mary finishes her psalm rejoicing in and magnifying the Lord for who he is and what he's done. It's, it's really a celebration here at the end of God's consistent character that's never going to change. That's good news for us today. There's joy found in a God whose consistent character is never going to change. See, the verbs here are all in the past. He says, she says, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. They're all in the past tense. But, but really what the language is testifying to is what the Lord has always done is what the Lord is always going to do. 
Who he always has been is who he always will be. And you can bank all your hope on a God like that who never, ever changes. He says the consistent character of the Lord shows us. He scatters the proud and he, and he sees the humble. Those who lift up themselves are scattered. Those who are humble, he sees. His consistent character reveals that he'll bring down the mightiest, those who think they're strong enough on their own, but he'll lift up those who are lowly and needy. His character is that he'll send away those who are rich. It's not wrong being rich. He's saying those who think they're enough for themselves. But he'll fill up the poor with good things. Church, this is who the Lord has always been, and this is who the Lord always will be. But it's verse 40, 54 and 55 that give me the most joy. It says this, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. As He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. He has helped Israel by remembering His mercy. The Lord remembers His people. The Lord remembers His mercy. He, he remembers His steadfast love. He, he remembers His covenant that He's made with His people forever. The covenant that He made with Abraham years and years and years ago and all of His offspring who would come after. The covenant that He promises to us when He says that you will be my people and I will be your God forever. The Lord cannot forget His mercy. He cannot forget His steadfast love. He cannot forget the covenant that He's made with His people. But sometimes, on weeks like this, weekends like this, sometimes it feels like He does. Sometimes it feels like the Lord has forgotten us. It, Mary had felt this way, Elizabeth had felt this way, and many of us, and many in our city feel that way too. Has the, has the Lord forgotten us? When a loved one dies, when you're barren like Elizabeth, when you're diagnosed with cancer, or, or when your home has been completely destroyed by a tornado, you might also feel like the Lord has forgotten you. You might feel like ASAP and this lamenter in Psalm 77. Listen to this lament. Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Sometimes we can feel that way. Sometimes it's easy to feel that way. But when we listen to what we're saying, when we listen to what our heart is saying, we, we know what is true even in the lament. Think about it. He, he says, has the steadfast love of the Lord ever ceased? He's literally saying, has the unceasing love of the Lord ever ceased? It's impossible. He's saying, are God's promises coming to an end? Are they now null and void because he's forgotten what he's promised? The answer is never. He'll never forget his people. 
Has our God forgotten how to be gracious? Has, it, has he shut up his compassion that he'll never show to our city ever again? And the Bible tells us again and again and again that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God has never changed. He will never, ever change. And he cannot forget his people. That's what Mary's song comforts us with this morning, to, to stir up rejoicing in our hearts. The Lord remembers you. The Lord remembers you. Church, the only way that God can forget his people is for God to quit being God today. That's the only way that God can forget you. And so that should be freeing to you that the Lord will never forget you. The Lord will always remember you. And how do we know that the Lord remembers us? How do we know that he'll never forget us? Because he sent his one and only son to be born as a baby, to die on a cross for sinners, to rise again three days later. So listen, so that we can be not only forgiven, but never forgotten forever. That's the good news of the gospel. That we can not only be forgiven of all our sins, but we can be never forgotten forever. So maybe this morning you feel like God doesn't see me. God's forgotten about me. God won't look my way. Not only does God see you, God moves towards you to show mercy by sending his one and only son. And not only has he moved towards you by giving his one and only son, but he will never, ever, 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 ever forget you for 10 trillion years into eternity. You will still be on the Lord's heart and his mind forever. Forever. Maybe you're here this morning. You'd say, I'm lacking in joy. I don't know if I'll ever experience joy again. Thinking about people who've lost family members, people who've lost homes, people who've lost relationships this week, relationships that feel like they'll never be reconciled again. Maybe you lack joy, and maybe the first step is to see how desperate you are. The first step is to see how needy you are for God's grace and God's forgiveness because you, either you're in your sin or in your suffering, you're desperate for Jesus. Maybe you lack joy, though, because you've minimized the great gift of God's one and only Son. That God moved to the greatest length to show you mercy. Or maybe you lack joy because this morning you feel like the Lord has forgotten you. Church, the good news is that God sees you, God moves towards you, and God will never forget you in His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me just say this as a church before I close. We have a great opportunity in the days ahead to picture the gospel to this community. 
Because we can be the picture of the gospel in the way we don't miss those who are lowly and desperate and needy, but we see them in their lowest moments. And we don't just see them, but we move towards them to show mercy. That they might too know the love of Christ like us. I'm not sure if you were able to watch a lot of the TV footage and the drone footage yesterday of the devastation. But I got to my parents' house last night, and after helping at church and around my neighborhood, and TV was turned on to CNN, and there was drone footage they were showing, some of Bowling Green, but some of the most uh, devastating pictures were those in Mayfield. There's one shot that really struck me, this shot as they were flying over the city of Mayfield, and they flew over a church in downtown Mayfield. I don't know if you saw it. But the church is completely devastated. The walls are blown over. You can see a children's mural, mural of a camel on a wall. And they fly right over the sanctuary, a sanctuary, large sanctuary that looks like a war zone. Everything had been left in disarray and turned over and destroyed. All except this communion table that was sitting at the front of the church. And on that communion table was a, a gold cross that hadn't moved a millimeter. Sitting right in the middle of the church. And I felt like just looking at that, it's like the Spirit of God saying, when it feels like the world is literally falling apart around you, our Father can never forget the cross of Jesus Christ. And if He can never forget the cross of Jesus Christ, that means that He can never forget you. And if that's not a reason to magnify the Lord and for our spirit to rejoice in us, what else do we have? We have Jesus, brothers and sisters. So let's rest in Jesus. And let's take Jesus to the city that desperately needs him. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, thank you that you answered the prayers of your people when they prayed for a deliverer, when they prayed for a savior when they prayed for the longing of a Messiah who would come, and you, by your grace and for your glory, sent your one and only Son, your one and only Son, that he might come and be born as a baby, that he might live a perfect life, Lord, that we couldn't live. Lord, that he would die on a cross a sinner's cross, not for his sin because he was perfect, but for our sin. And Lord, he rose again victoriously. And, and Lord, all our hope today, all our, our peace and joy is found in him and him alone. So, so Lord, I pray you would turn our eyes upon Jesus. That looking at Jesus on the cross, looking at Jesus who rose again three days later, Lord, that we can believe with all our hearts that you see us. Not only do you see us, you move to show us mercy when we cry out for mercy. And Lord, those who are, 
who believe in Jesus Christ, they are not only forgiven because of Jesus, they're never forgotten because you all will be our God forever and ever and ever. So Lord, I pray that you would help your people rest in this mercy, in this grace that can come through Christ and Christ alone. But Lord, I pray for those in our city, Lord, I pray that you would move your church, Lord, to show mercy. That we would see those who are lowly and in need and we would move to show mercy. We would move to show the love of Christ Jesus. Lord, if there's anybody here today that does not know the comfort and the peace and the joy of being forgiven forever by Jesus. Being your people forever because of trusting in Jesus, Lord, I pray that they would turn from their sin and trust in Jesus even now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.